Welcome back to My Heart Muscle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gallo, joined today by Ron White and Ryan Sprague. This is such an awesome episode, and we mixed it up a bit. See, Brian is what he considers a cannabis coach. And he talks about pot in the most loving and honestly intellectual ways that I have ever heard. And if you're anything like me, then you spent a lot of time in your youth looking at cannabis as this poison. And so was Brian. In fact, he didn't discover this until college age. And at that point in his life, he found it as a medicine. And it helped to create the part of his life that he felt was missing. Over the years, Ryan has integrated cannabis into his life, and I mean every part. He started working at a medical marijuana um, facility and learned the ins and outs of the industry, the cannabis industry. He learned how this can affect people, what it can do for people, what stigma it has behind it and why, which he talks a ton about. Um, some information that I, had, I learned a little bit about and, and then he brings some things into light that help you recognize the, uh, the value of this plant and why it's had such an impact on politics, on society, on the way we see drugs. Fascinating. He's also been heavily involved with fitness and mindset education and so he's developed a way to integrate cannabis use into everyday life in a way that's productive. Now you may have tried you know some some, some weed when you were younger or you, you smoke occasionally or use cannabis occasionally for the intent of getting stoned or chilling out relaxing, falling asleep. There's various reasons why you'd use it. Um, the way that he helps you to understand the, the plant, the, the medical side, the scientific side, and the psychological side, you can use this to create, inspire, compel, and be really intentional. Be able to go deep into your psyche, your psychology, your soul, and work things through. Much like how um, psychedelics have been spoken about recently and what they are able to do for people. So Ryan brings a ton of interesting stories and experience to the table. He talks about how um, he learned about cannabis and what was going on in his life at that time. He also talks about how um, when his father was questioning this, he still he still supported him and learned, tried to understand. And 
found that this actually helped with his father's medical diagnosis. You're going to enjoy this for sure. And if you want to connect with Ryan, he's on Instagram. He's got a podcast called Highly Optimized and that one time on psychedelics. Brilliant person, amazing human being. Welcome to the show, Ryan Sprague. It's funny to me that the that we're talking about this right now prior to press and record is that the first time that I got like intrigued by the concept of people using cannabis and being avid health and fitness uh, gurus, mentors, whatever word you want to throw in there was when I was Office. listening to Bar when I was listening to Barbell Shrugged and they would talk about Vice Friday. And I was like, wait a minute. So these guys are getting high and then like crushing some cake and then going to the gym, <laughs> like having a good, having a good time, you know, uh, like. Was cake really on that list? Uh, uh, well, um, if memory serves correctly, uh, Chris Moore did reference eating cake. Um, this is when he, this is when he was still alive. So, um, <laughs> so, dude, there, here's a great question for you, my friend Ryan. So, number one, let's get into who you are, the yeah. unit, Ryan Sprague, and then, <laughs> and then, why, and then to you, why do you believe, or am I making this up? that the use of cannabis is still, still has a stigma around it. So who is oh, Ryan yeah. Sprague and why do people still see cannabis as a bad thing? Yeah, so who am I? Well, uh, I am a human uh, so far as I know. And, uh, <laughs> and really, you know, I've been a health, fitness, uh, plant medicine enthusiast, plus a lot of other things for pretty much my whole life. Uh, huge music head. Um, spent many years going to music festivals, still attend them uh, when the world is not pandemic ridden. And uh, so, you know, really like this journey started for me when I was around 16 and I saw a lot of friends drinking. Uh, I used to have some banger parties in my house and uh, just found that like they were all drinking. They were all seeming to have fun. And there I was drinking the same things they were drinking. And the whole time I kept asking myself, like, am I having fun? Is this, does this feel good? Is this enjoyable? And it didn't seem like they were asking themselves those questions. Now, again, they could have been, I have no idea, but it seemed like they were getting something out of the experience that I wasn't. And so this goes on for a little while. And uh, <coughs> as with happens with drinking, um, you know, I started over drinking because uh, I was 16, 17. So, and I had a very low tolerance for alcohol. And what I realized was you know, every time I got about three or four drinks in, I would start getting a headache. And then the rest of my drinking would be to try to like bypass that headache, which usually just got worse. And the next day was even worse. And so I was having my little first mini dark night of the soul. Like, how am I going to fit in? What am I going to do to party? And around that time, I had been introduced to cannabis before, but I was like, just say no, you know, just like uh, Nancy Reagan, you know, <laughs> brought out. And so, you know, I too thought it was the devil's lettuce that people talk about. And we'll get into that. But you know, around 16, I saw more and more friends interacting with it. And these were closer friends of mine that I had grown up with. And I started saying, well, you know, these people have been really influential people in my life. Uh, they've always had my back. 
And they're telling me like, hey, try this, right? And so at this time, there was very small amount of research coming out. But at that point, I knew like, okay, it's not going to kill me, right? So uh, if anything, it's going to make me live. And so I tried it. And I remember the first time I really sat with cannabis, I was uh, roughly 17, right around there. And it felt like my feet were endlessly falling into the floor. And that might sound terrifying, right? When you hear it out of context, but it actually was the best feeling I had ever felt. And I was so relaxed and I had fun, right? Time flew by and I realized, whoa, this was a really fun night. And so over the course of the next year, I was experimenting usually once a week. Um, you know, my friends would be drinking. I would be abstaining from drinking because it always gave me that headache. And then at the end of the night, they would smoke a blunt or something of some terrible cannabis. And, uh, <laughs> and so I would go take a couple hits and I would like wander inside and watch Star Wars and, you know, pick out a Nature Valley bars, which by the way, if you ever want some stoner hacks, um, I don't eat like this anymore. But uh, for those listening that might find this valuable, if you take a peanut butter Nature Valley bar and you take the two bars apart and you put fluff on the inside, that was my 17 year old like idea of uh, <laughs> the year. And uh, a lot of people love that. And so I would, I would have- Hold these, on, hold on, time uh, out, time out. I knew that you, would have a time out. <laughs> you just said, high dear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, throw, he's throwing in the, <laughs> yes. the subtle- Buying puns, you know? Subtle puns. <laughs> so I, have a whole, I have a whole program about this now, so I had to come up with my own puns, you know? But we'll get there. <laughs> but I bet you've got a list yeah. of puns written in front of you. Like, I'm going to hit this one and then this one. Oh. Dude. <laughs> You know, Alex and I, my business partner, Alex Morningstar, who, Ron, you've met Alex. Uh, yep. We have actually a going list of puns in a Google document that we just come up with on the fly. Our meetings are very much like this, just hysterical laughter. And, um, you know, we do get work done, but at the same time, we have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, so we have that whole list of puns. So you guys might hear a couple come out as the episode goes on. <laughs> but, you know, it was when I was 18 uh, that I really started, or right around 17, 18, that I started experiencing symptoms of what I would now call a generalized anxiety disorder. And so I would start having like, you know, fear of being in large groups, which was very unlike me, right? Like I'd always been a pretty social person. And I had this story, right? To talk about stories. I had the story going that I was beginning to be intro, an introvert or antisocial or any of these things. But yet at the same time, I was figuring it out somehow because I was always around a lot of people. But deep inside, I felt this like angst. And so I started noticing that the times in which I interacted with cannabis, most of those times, depending on set and setting, and of course, what variety of medicine I was interacting with, which at that point was kind of just like, you got a bag of weed, and that was it. So when I started interacting with uh, cannabis more regularly, I started realizing, wow, you know, when I, when I interact with cannabis, most of the time, my anxiety is like, nowhere to be found. And so this became curious for me. And, uh, you know, as high school is getting to an end, you know, people are like, what do you want to do with your life? And so I'm like, I want to go into psychology because I was starting to get fascinated with the mind. So over the course of the next year, I start interacting with cannabis very regularly. And we'll get into the challenges with daily use and things like that and started to become dependent on it in certain ways. And yet it was still helping my anxiety. I was going to college. I was getting good grades. I was doing my thing. And right around when I was 18, I had my mortality crisis, as they call it. And so basically what happened was uh, I went to the bathroom one day and peed blood and was like, yikes, that doesn't feel good. And so uh, my father and I, he took me to the hospital and, uh, you know, my dad had always kind of known what I was doing, but he was just like, just don't do it. Right. Like that kind of thing. But he was never like vehemently against it because he knew I was getting a grids. He knew I wasn't like falling behind. So it was never like a big topic of discussion. But so we're on the car ride there. 
And he's like, listen, I got to ask you, are you doing drugs? And I'm like, no, but I am interacting with a lot of cannabis. Right. And he was like, I saw him go, okay. Like he was relieved. And so I was like, oh, interesting. Right. Cause we had never had the conversation. And so over the course of that, I think it was like five days I was in the hospital. I ended up having a benign cyst in my kidney that just broke open and kind of like a freak of nature accident or incident. But uh, during that time, I started showing him a lot of the documentaries I had been seeing about cannabis and the healing powers of it, such as Leaf, right, which follows this doctor, Dr. William Courtney, and at that time, his patient who was experiencing lots of autoimmune disorders, like 10 or 11 of them, some crazy number. And he started giving her raw cannabis leaves, which is high in a cannabinoid called THCA, which is the acid form of THC. And so all of her immune disorders went into remission from that medicine. And so I watched that video. I was starting to get much more into like, kind of like counterculture of like, maybe everything I've heard, soft talk acknowledge, right? Maybe everything I've heard isn't exactly lining up with what I, I choose to be my truth, right? And so he watches them with me and he's like, wow, I guess I was wrong, you know? And he was kind of like, thank God I was wrong because I've always wanted to interact with cannabis, right? But because at that time, you know, my dad had had his party days and he was a uh, chronic cigarette smoker and, you know, bad eater and, you know, didn't drink water and everything. And I was very much in a similar pattern, right? I was smoking cigarettes. I was drinking a lot of Mountain Dew and soda. I was eating hot fries and uh, Fritos and all of that stuff. And so I saw this as my big wake up call where, you know, I decided that, okay, you know what, after I get out of the hospital, I'm going to start being healthier. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to start getting my life together, right? And start actually like, you know, feeling better in myself. And so my dad was like, hey, if, if this works for you, great. I don't want you on pharmaceuticals. And you know what? You're doing great. You're your own person. You're an adult. Like, do what you want, right? Uh, I'd rather you do it in the safety of the house because, you know, then I know where you are, right? I know you're not driving. I know you're doing this. So after that, uh, you know, my father got more interested in uh, my relationship to cannabis. And so around this time, now we're fast forwarding a couple more years, medical passes here. And so up until this point, it was decriminalized. So you wouldn't get arrested if you had less than an ounce on you. But there was really no like site to be set for an industry here, right? At that time, it was like, well, if I want to ever do something with cannabis, I have to move to California. That was pretty much the only track available at that time. And so over that time, when medical passed, it became legal to grow. And so my dad's business had been hit hard in the recession. And so he was looking for a hobby. I didn't have the money to pay for a grow kit, which at that time were still really expensive. And so I was, I, you know, kind of coerced him. I was like, dad, you know, it'd be fun. Father, son project, grow a couple plants. It's legal, you know, like it'd be fun. And so I worked on him a little bit and he was like, all right, screw it. Show me the grow kit, bought me the grow kit. And we started growing together. And our first harvest sucked. It was terrible, right? Absolute garbage. And around that time, uh, a couple months later, I go to the Boston Freedom Rally. And that is uh, like the hemp fest, they call it here, right? Where people gather in large amounts on the Boston Commons and they practice civil disobedience by interacting with cannabis in the public, right? And the cops are there, they really don't care. So long as you're not selling or like causing violence, which again, cannabis and violence, yikes, right? That, that, that just sounds weird going together. But so I go there and I forget my sunglasses. And so I'm like squinting, I can barely see anything. I got, you know, crystal blue eyes, guilty as charged. And so I'm like trying to figure out where the hell I'm going. And I hear this guy yelling, who wants to make butter with me? And I'm like, well, I bet he's talking about cannabis butter and I like making cannabis butter. So I stumble over there and uh, I grab this pamphlet and I read it. And he's basically saying that he's opening a cannabis education center, 
right? And at this time, I was still experiencing anxiety, still had challenges driving on the highway. I mean, it's like so silly to think about these things. But at that time, that was really my life. And so during uh, the next couple weeks, you know, there was no like date yet set on this program. There was no location. So in my head, I'm like, oh, it's going to be in Boston, you know, yada, yada. It ends up being five minutes from my house. Like literally could not be closer to my house if it tried. And so I once again asked my dad, I'm like, hey, I'd really like to do this. He's like, all right, awesome. So he signs me up for the school and uh, they're going over everything, right? Everything from cannabis as a medicine to the history, to the growing, everything. And so I'm in school for psychology and now I'm going to study holistic sciences, uh, specializing in cannabis studies. And so as I start going there, I start realizing, whoa, this is really what I love. Like, this is amazing. And so during that time, uh, my dad starts coming with me a lot. We start kind of doing this together. And, uh, you know, I start being able to get, you know, better results with growing and, you know, I'm really starting to figure myself out, right? Because I didn't, I knew I didn't want to wear khakis uh, in an office building for the rest of my life. So, you know, the typical psychology paradigm was out of the question. And so uh, this brings us forward to like about 2014. I went to my first big music festival, uh, Electric Daisy Carnival Las Vegas, which is a wild place. If uh, anyone listening is gone or is looking to go. It's definitely an experience. And so it was my first time interacting with a different plant medicine. It was the first time I interacted with MDMA. And at this point, again, very similar to how I was with cannabis, I was very careful, right? Because I didn't want to hurt myself, right? And I was really focused on my health at this time. I was exercising, I was eating better, I was drinking water, all the things. And so I had some trustworthy friends who found some there and, you know, tested it, whatever they did. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to try it. And so I tried it. And during this time, uh, I felt this interesting feeling. And of course, I felt love and all the things that are associated with MDMA. But I felt this one moment where I felt this like this sharp pain right in my heart. And uh, I had no idea what it was. And so I go home. And uh, nine days after I get home, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so during that time, I had been learning about things like FICO, uh, also known as RSO, which stands for Rick Simpson oil or FICO full extract cannabis oil which at the time at this New England Grassroot Institute where I was going, there were people coming in who had stage three and four cancers of different types who were then getting onto a path of healthy living and using this oil and shrinking their tumors and obliterating them, right? I would see the scans of, hey, you have tumors. And now a certain amount of months later, you do six to nine, you have no tumors, right? And this is without chemotherapy, without radiation. And my mind was blowing because I'm like, what? Like, I I'd never thought cannabis could do that. So once my dad was diagnosed, he told me, he's like, listen, I, I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. I'm going to continue smoking cigarettes. I'm going to continue eating the way I want, whatever. Right. And so I was like, okay. So during that time, I ended up making our harvests into FICO and I ended up giving him that FICO. And I didn't know at the time, but he was, he was, uh, said to, in his diagnosis, he was said to last until about Halloween, which is about three months later. And he ended up lasting all the way almost a year uh, after his uh, after his diagnosis date. And so during that time, he was also able to keep his quality of life. He was able to not have to go through the challenges of chemotherapy and radiation, which I'm not saying are necessarily a bad thing, but they weren't his thing, right? They weren't what he wanted to go through. They weren't what he chose. And so he got to keep his dignity up until the day he passed on. And so when that happened through that journey, 
I really found this bond with cannabis that was much deeper than just, you know, getting high or just, you know, having laughs with friends or things like that. I started to realize that this plant had been bastardized for a long time for a lot of different reasons. And uh, depending on what, you know, conspiracies you look into, the way that I choose to view it is that the pharmaceutical industries are billion dollar essentially, you know, programs and, and companies in this country. And, you know, things that can cure cancer in your own backyard, that is a big dent in their pocket. And so not only that, but we're also resting on the years of 60 years of propaganda based in uh, racist lies, right? Harry Anslinger and um, the DuPont Industries uh, in the 30s, you know, they started coming out with these uh, articles. And at that time, they pretty much controlled the journalism. And uh, in addition, they also came out with movies like Reefer Madness, which will sound insane when I explain this because we're so far past this in society today, thank goodness, but I will explain it in the way that it's conveyed, which is that basically during this time, cannabis was a very known medicinal uh, component of many medicines, right? Doctors were prescribing it. And uh, what happened was overnight, uh, these powers that be, if you want to call them that, invented this term marijuana, right? And started making movies like Reefer Madness where they were basically saying, hey, um, if we don't illegalize this plant, uh, blacks and Mexicans are going to start raping white women and hypnotizing them with this plant called marijuana. And so everyone was like, of course, of course, we got to ban marijuana. So pretty much overnight, marijuana was banned. And then doctors woke up the next day being like, wait, marijuana was cannabis. That's not what cannabis does. And ensues, then ensues 50 years of 50, 60 years of prohibition ever since. And so I think a lot of the reason that, you know, prohibition still exists today is simply because, you know, humans are creatures of habit and programs and conditions have led to, you know, someone's grandfather telling them it's, it's bad, right? Then their father tells them it's bad. And, you know, of course, how are they going to be looked at if they're interacting with it? And so unfortunately, even though we know now factually that all of these claims of cannabis as this brain rotter, as this, you know, uh, hypnotizing medicine that would you know, allow white women to be raped, all these ridiculous claims were completely false. But the challenge is that, you know, it takes a lot longer for, you know, humanity to come back from things like that um, than just, you know, when things are proven right. And, you know, one thing that I've come to realize in my life is that because science is looked at as almost like uh, a religion in the modern day world, you know, science doesn't change when a new discovery is made. Science changes one dead scientist at a time because the dead scientist who then passes on his whole life's work was resting on his findings. And so he's the senior level scientist. So if a new young scientist decides to question the things that have been long held beliefs and finds a new discovery, they're just gonna throw that under the rug because this guy's got seniority. And so I think that's one of the other biggest challenges with cannabis is that you know, these days we're lucky that a lot more research is coming out and we're almost through the stigma, the stigmatization of cannabis. But you know, really, you know, after that time, uh, you know, when I started uh, really want, like deepening my bond with the plant, I ended up working in the industry uh, here in Massachusetts as things became legal. And um, then, you know, we can get into this too, but had a dark night of the soul where I realized that the industry wasn't my calling either. And then from there started highly optimized. Uh, and again, there's, there's many little fun parts in this, this part of the story, but to summarize, <laughs> you know, then I started highly optimized, had no idea what I was doing. And now I'm here on the screen with you guys. So I'd say everything worked out pretty awesome. <laughs> that is pretty awesome, man. You got to, man, and how old, you're, you're 30 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. How old are you? 30, cool. Yeah. 30 years old. And <laughs> man, it telling your story, it's, 
you you jump over decades with history and with your own uh your own story and now 2021 like most places i how many states is it legal recreationally now i believe 16 states are recreational yeah. yeah and 35 are medical right yeah, so it's far more than half now and that was only that was in a matter of a couple of years so we're thinking like yeah. the within the last decade you found you found this so it's it's magic for you for sure and for what it does like you found this thing that was so incredible to you and and found uh, found a bond with it mm. much much like we do with you know with a lot of things in our in our 20s like the the things <laughs> we start to enjoy our our passions the fun stuff and that was uh, it it fascinates me as you were telling that story i was i was just taking a bunch of notes and uh, and some of the things that really stood out were uh were the ability to, to actually study this, like someone put a program together to educate people about cannabis. And this was in a time where it was like kind of legal, still kind of not legal, yet everyone is obviously curious about it. Like, like let's put let's put the gorilla on the table, like like our friend Mark would say. Like yes. people want to talk about this shit. People really do. And I remember growing up, man, like similar story to you. I was I I had this vision that that weed was the like the devil's lettuce that was a good word for it yeah and i tried it when i was like 14 15 had an interesting experience and then not again until i was 27 because of uh because of that stigma because of that like fear of whatever it is um i'd love man i'd love for you to expand more on like the education side of it of like how you how you like felt learning all this like new, all these new things about, uh, about something that obviously changed your beliefs. Like you, you, you went into this with a belief that it's not good for you negation acknowledged there. And then, okay, now it's quote unquote, good for you. What, mm. what was that experience? Like learning all of these things for the first time and then, and trying to get it out to the world, which you're doing now. Yeah, you know, it was the best gift that I could have ever received in my life, because how you do anything is how you do everything. What cannabis taught me to do was to question, right, to be skeptical and learn to listen, as the fifth agreement says, right. So whenever I heard something from there on out, I would ask myself for my own subjective reality, does this feel true to me, right, because at the end of the day, I argue that we do not know anything, right, we like to think as a society that we know things, right. This thing's good for you. We know it. Really? Well, lobotomies were great and the highest and greatest technology ever until they weren't, right? I mean, aspartame was incredible until it started causing cancer, right? So mm. what do we really know, right? And at the end of the day, you know, something I found is that knowing, quote unquote, comes from the mind, right? Because the mind wants to make sense out of things and figure things out, right? And so we see this in history a lot, right? Like, you know, for instance, Christopher Columbus discovering America is not exactly the story that actually it really is, right? And again, we don't know what it really is, but we know that it's not exactly as it's laid out in history books, right? So what the actual truth there is, I mean, unless someone was living in that time, we'll never really know. And so, mm. you know, it's very similar with, with cannabis, I mean, with politics, with everything in life. And so 
what that really taught me to do was to question everything. And I think this is something that psychedelics as a whole um, is one of their be best benefits and one of their biggest benefits and one of their most potent qualities is that, and I think that's honestly, you know, why some of these powers to be fear things like psilocybin, things like MDMA, things like cannabis becoming more or less stigmatized and more legal. I was just thinking the same thing, like the, the yeah. government obviously has the understanding that, hey, this is going to cause these people to question us or the authority. Yes. We don't yeah. want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like, I can imagine some people like, oh, conspiracy. Well, no, think about it this way, right? We'll put it in a more factual stance, right? When people understand who and what they truly are, right? And they reclaim their personal power, they're not as easy to sell stuff to, right? They're not as easy to keep stuck in fear, which then makes them want to buy more things. The government, just like anything else, is a business, right? And they want to sell things. They want us to be obedient, right? And, you know, to not go down like the conspiracy rabbit hole of like the spiritual aspects, which is a whole other rabbit hole uh, that I really give a lot of credit to. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're not as great of customers when we don't feel we need the things that the government is propositioning we buy, right? And so I think that is like the basic reason why the powers that be, if you want to call them that government, whatever, fear these things, right? Because they realize that, you know, and they've done testing on this, right? LSD was one of the biggest tested things in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, cannabis being another one. And during that time, they realized that, you know, wow, these things actually break people out of a lot of the boxes that society puts them in. And, you know, we talked about these knowings, right? And, you know, I like to say that to the degree that you know things is the degree that you are closed-minded, right? Because if you know something, right? Not think something or believe something, but if you know something, like say if I know cannabis is bad, right? And then Matt or, you know, Ron, you come to me and you're like, cannabis is good. I'm going to be like, nope, it's not because I know it's bad, right? But if I believe or think or imagine that it's bad, and then you guys come to me and go, cannabis is good, I might go, tell me more. Not because I'm necessarily going to agree with you even when you present the facts, but because I'm open-minded to different opinions, right? Mm. And when we look at society right now, you know, I'm not a proponent for, you know, psychedelics are right for everyone, but I will say that if everyone could gain the benefit through a sober means or through a plant medicine of being able to be more open-minded and hear people's opinions out without necessarily getting their identity triggered, I think the world would be in a much better place. And That's so, such a rare quality, man. The, the, the willingness to be curious, uh, even yes. if you disagree with somebody. And that's what I love about podcasting is like, we get to interview people who have these sometimes wild ideas about things. And I'm like, Oh, well, well, how'd you come to that? Like how, what brought you there? And yeah. it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's a good feeling to, to actually just want to learn. And then you could walk away from it. You can decide what to do with that, that knowledge or, take out Absolutely. the not no right whatever yeah, you want to call it that information <laughs> that information <laughs> the ledge <laughs> well you know it's it's funny too because you know not to open up a crazy spiritual rabbit hole but you know i've been known to do that so Go for it fun. yeah hell yes <laughs> game recognized game so you know what i choose to believe in my subjective experience of life is that we are the universe recognizing itself, understanding itself, right? And that's why there's trillions of different examples, really infinite and endless examples on this planet of what, who and what God, source, consciousness is, right? And so if we can understand that, then it makes total sense why people are going to believe different things, right? Because if we were all the same, what fun would that be for the universe to understand itself? What, what, 
what knowledge or what, you know, what awareness could be gained if everyone was the exact same, right? Both for mm. us as individual cells of the all, whatever you want to call it, source, consciousness, God, whatever. And for that source itself, right? To be able to go, ah, I can show up that way. Oh, I could act like that. Ooh, that's interesting, right? <laughs> so I choose to think of this as an experience, right? Not the experience, not the end all be all. You know, I choose to have a human experience, right? And 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 again, I don't know that objectively, but I choose to believe that because it helps my experience of life, right? And so, you know, to go to your other point of, you know, how it's been being able to educate people on this, you know, what I found both with going through cannabis education uh, in my younger years and then going on an ever never ending quest of spirituality was that no one really understands what cannabis is, right? At least most people are not talking about it. There's some shamans deep in the Amazon to get it, but for the most part, this is not anywhere close to mainstream knowledge of what cannabis is, how she acts, how she speaks, how to understand the language she speaks in and what her purpose is, right? And so why I created Connect with Cannabis is that, you know, I started realizing when I was working in the industry, right? That there was a couple of things happening that I didn't approve of and that were not in alignment with how I felt in my being. And the first one was that most of these establishments are putting out cannabis or medicine rather that is soulless, that is traumatized, and that is missing the main component of what cannabis seeks to envelop all of us in, which is love, right? And so moreover, to get into that, you know, most growers are getting paid very low wages. They're using chemical salt nutrients in the grow. Uh, they're not being able to give individualized care. Uh, they're drying and curing in a terrible manner. Uh, and all of these things, you know, either make great cannabis, poor cannabis, or, you know, make cannabis just essentially not what it's supposed to be. And so, you know, I saw that happening. And then I also saw, I mean, I saw over 9,000 patients in the five years I worked in the industry and I worked, worked with them one-on-one -on -one, and they were really confused. Even, even, you know, longtime users were like, I don't know, this strain isn't working anymore. Why is it not working? They had no idea of what was going on about like, Hey, you're taxing out your endocannabinoid receptors. You're flooding them, right? They're essentially clogged. And also you're, you're, you're inhibiting the transcendental and spiritual properties of the plant because you're using it daily, right? Without some type of objective or reason why to use it daily. I'm not going to say there's never a reason why someone should use it daily, but most people who are, including myself for a long time, had no idea why it was just an unconscious pattern. And the other thing is that cannabis is feminine, right? And so very similar to feminine energy, it's great for planning and creativity, but it's not so great for taking action. And so there's a couple different things here. The number one thing is that most people find cannabis because they're hurting in some way, shape or form, right? Whether they want a new lease on life or whatever story they want to spin on that, they're seeking something because they feel incomplete. And people often say that cannabis is addictive. And I feel like this is a scapegoat because this is the same way as saying, oh, we have an epidemic of loneliness, right? Loneliness is the result. The real reason is a lack of ability to connect, right? So with cannabis, it's like, oh, cannabis is addictive. No, feelings of comfort are addictive, right? And so when people are hurting, right, and they have no idea how to feel better, and they find this plant that makes them feel better, they're going to get dependent on it. You know why? Because they're not doing any of the quote unquote work alongside it to actually integrate what they're learning. So they're having this experience, they feel better, they come down, they're like, ah, oh, now I feel incomplete, I got to have more, right? And this unconscious pattern becomes like programmed in their lives. And so you know, really one of the things that I noticed was, you know, 
even though I was working with these patients one-on-one, the dispensaries had quotas, right? They had the, you know, like, okay, you should only spend this much time with the patient. Very similar to how doctors are these days, right? You get in there and you get right out. And so I realized that if I really wanted to make an impact, I wasn't going to do it in the dispensary and I couldn't do it alone. And so that is when I started Highly Optimized. And, you know, that journey uh, actually came as a result of another plant medicine journey where I had a dark night of the soul and discovered that I had been using cannabis unconsciously. And uh, that all the things I just talked about were 100% true for me. And that's why I can speak to these things because I've gone through them. And so, you know, through that time, I took a two month break from cannabis, which was my first time taking time off at all in about eight years, you know, and it sounds crazy, but for anyone who interacts with cannabis, it just, the days go by and you really forget how long it's been since you've taken a break. And so over those two months, I felt my masculine energy kick in. And like I was saying before, you know, cannabis being the feminine, if you don't give that medicine an intention, very similar to like I laid out before, she'll pull the wool over your eyes, she'll comfort you, right? And she'll just act like an overprotective mother. And then all of a sudden the rug will be pulled out from under you and you'll be back in daily life and you'll be like, I need mom again, right? And so there more cannabis happens. However, when you give cannabis an intention, when you play that masculine role, whether you're female or male, when you put that masculine energy into cannabis, you then become a power couple with that plant. You become a co-creative relationship. You, you get into a co-creative relationship with that plant. Or then you can go, cannabis, I'm feeling this, right? And I'm curious to see what's there. And strap in for that experience because it's going to be very different and it might be very challenging, right? In a lot of cases, the experiences I have with cannabis these days are challenging. And I'm expecting that, right? Because I know I'm going in with some deep questions that are going to bring up some really rooted beliefs and stories. And you guys know, like with story work and things like this, you know, these modalities are fantastic, but a lot of the times things are so deep rooted into your programming ages that it's hard to solve the problem with the same level of thinking that created it. So what cannabis opens up when used intentionally and consciously and responsibly is the ability to bypass and control alt delete the mind, get directly into the body where healing occurs, and then be able to have the experience and then integrate it into the mind. So it's a backwards mechanism, but actually what I've found is that it works 10 times out of 10, much more effective than simply coaching. And I'm not saying that coaching is not effective. It's amazing. But in order to be able to understand these things right off the bat, you need to have done some work yourself, right? So for those people that are just getting into, you know, the idea of wanting a coach or something that also interact with cannabis, you know, this can be the gateway because it is the people's psychedelic. It is the least stigmatized. It's the most available, right? You can do it in your living room. You can do it over a zoom screen, right? So, you know, what I found in this is really like the perfect bridge between all of the suffering that is currently going on in society with mental health conditions, the lack of connection epidemic, you know, this disconnect from nature and being able to bridge the gap with this plant, right? Meet people where they're at. They already interact with cannabis in most cases, right? So it's not something new and, and, you know, like curious, like, you know, one of the things I've found with coaching is that when I start mentioning, you know, modalities or start, you know, coaching someone, it can be kind of like, you know, standoffish, right? Because they're like, because uh, part of them knows what's about to happen, right? Even if they don't consciously know. And so you interact with someone and you're like, hey, you know, um, what are you feeling right now? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, I'm kind of feeling this. You're like, all right, cool. How do you want to feel? Well, I want to feel this. All right, before you hit that joint, tell cannabis you want to feel that on the other side of that joint. I'm like, okay, whatever. What do I got to lose? They hit the joint. And then a couple minutes later, I'll be talking to them and I can see their energetic shift. And I'm like, hey, wait a second. How did, what was your intention? And they're like, oh my God. And then boom, now they're both aware of what coaching does and they're aware of how cannabis works. And so that's been my little like 
hack, if you want to call it, to get people into the realm of how cannabis works as a spiritual aid and ally. And so that's a lot of info. I'll stop there just in case you guys have any input, but I can go much deeper. <laughs> Lots of dude. I mean, yeah. I'd like to interrupt this episode and uh, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I did. This conversation was a ton of fun. Ryan is such a character. Anyway, we are entering a new era once again. It seems that every year we reimagine ourselves and we recreate ourselves. It's that um, inspiration you get um, coming into something new. And, uh, and we, we imagine it for us as rebirth. And so what you can expect in the next year from us is a lot more involvement and engagement with our community. And we're going to do that with in-person events and a ton of new material and content that you can use and begin to um, take as resources, um, as well as one-to-one -one direct coaching and mentorship um, from us in groups and personally. The changes you can expect to see are a complete rebrand once again. And I know we've been doing this a while. And what we realized is that we need to, we get to create something and imagine ourselves every day. And so as we do that, we evolve and we change and we grow, as does this, this uh, podcast, as do our relationships and our businesses and our lives. And so to reflect that, we are going to bring you something special uh, in the coming months. In the meantime, Please take a moment right now, if you're enjoying this episode, to share it with somebody. This one is cool. Everybody's smoked weed before. Has anybody done it with intention? If you and your buddies that you used to hang out with in college um, dabbled a bit and you actually got something out of it, hey, send this over to them. Give them that uh, memory, strike something up, and, uh, and see what happens. Um, and of course, Visit um, visit Ryan on his Instagram, the real Ryan Sprague. Check him out. His podcast is amazing. It's uh, uh, it's really a psychedelic experience just listening to this guy talk because he's brilliant, scientifically minded, and really knows his stuff around cannabis from the 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 chemistry all the way to the spirituality. So. That's enough for now. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I the one you I I think you answered this question a little <laughs> bit. Who knows? Can you give me an example of what you mean by intentional use of cannabis and like setting an intention? Is it as simple as just saying, "Hey, hey, joint, I want to feel good right now." <laughs> yes, and that's that's the main thing I want to get across. Right? Is because it that simple? It can be that simple. Can and this be. is the biggest thing. There's a lot of spiritual dogma in the spiritual world, right? Where people are like, my intention is I want to become an infinite star seed in the nebula galaxy, right? And they make it so serious, right? And what I tell people is like, listen, first of all, that that drives a lot of people away, right? There's nothing against wanting to be an infinite star seed, right? <laughs> I, I empower each person who wants to do that. But a lot of people, they don't really know what they want, right? They just know, like, I'm going to feel better, right? And so, again, it's meeting them where they're at, right? So it can be as simple as the first one going, I want to feel better, 
okay, now I feel an energetic shift, right? And they might just say, I feel better, right? Okay, what does better feel like? And now they're mm -hmm. again out of their mind and in their body. Well, you know, it feels like I used to feel when I went to Six Flags with my dad who passed away, you know, like those kind of things, mm -hmm. right? So it's Our a gateway to the to the the inner like to the story that's been dying to come out it is the gateway anyway, drug. it is the, the gateway it is the gateway drug to deeper connection right yeah. they never finished the sentence mm. they stopped at the gateway drug it's like you guys never finished the sentence to deeper mm. connection right <laughs> they got the they got the <laughs> thing on the other side of that incorrect yeah exactly <laughs> well it's because a lot of times who were the people telling us that it was the gateway drug? People wearing khakis that ran from cannabis all their life and didn't inhale, right? It's like, why are we going to take their 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 advice, right? It's like it's like you're a professional race car driver and you're going to take advice from someone who's got five DUIs and is, hasn't held the license for more than a year, right? It's like, it, it, again, it's like, who is giving us the advice that we're taking mm. in, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, results don't lie. And, you know, this is a subject that I love riffing on. And because, you know, it can be seen in a lot of different areas of life right now. This is actually advice that Mike Bledsoe gave me. And uh, it literally became the ethos to my life. Like it, it immediately got cemented in as a root, right? Which is in a world full of censorship, in a world full of lies, in a world full of corruption, right? And there's a lot of other amazing things in the world, but let's focus on those things. In a world <laughs> full of people that have their own agendas, put it that way. What is the one thing that does not lie? It's results, right? Like when you see someone who's telling you, you shouldn't smoke cannabis because your brain's going to turn to rot. Does that person sound like he's having fun or she's having fun in their life? Like, no, they sound miserable. So why am I going to take advice on a medicine from them, right? Like it's the same way as like when people are preaching health and they look like a human skeleton, it's like, I'm not going to take advice from you, right? I'm going to look for people who emulate healthiness, right? Both physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual in nature. Those are the people I'm going to listen to. So I think a lot of the time, it's just recalibrating who we're taking advice from, right? Like, you know, the reason why I can talk about cannabis like this is because, I mean, I'm a very regimented person, right? I smashed the stoner archetype a long time ago, right? I own a business. I, you know, have a very beautiful relationship. I have plenty of friendships. I host retreats. I do all the things that most people will go, I didn't think cannabis users did that, right? So I can act as that vehicle for people to go, hey, you see me, you've been in my energy, right? You've, you've interacted with cannabis with me many times. You can tell it's different, right? As long as they have the curiosity of like, I might not believe it yet, right? But I know there's something there. That's all we need, right? Mm. Because again, it's just being skeptical and learning to listen. It doesn't mean you have to believe things, but at the same time, you know, start to break down those, those knowings of what a cannabis user looks like, right? Of what a healthy person looks like, of what a fitness enthusiast looks like, right? Because again, you know, everything is a melting pot, you know? And the more that we try to put things into uh, the confines of structure, you know, a lot of times that's where masculine energy runs amok, right? Because masculine energy is structure, but at the same time, too much structure is, is no good at all, right? We need the balance. To that point of like, um, you know, let's look at, let's look at Ryan. He's like, not your stereotypical stoner hmm. business owner and, you know, influencer. He's, he creates a lot of impact on the world and he's got relationships and he does all these things. And, and on the surface level, like aside from the, from the long hair, like you look like a normal guy, right? You are, you look, no, no offense. You look kind of normal, Brian. <laughs> um, Until you stand next to him and you feel very, very small. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't I, tell you that. I, how tall are you? Yeah. How tall are you right now? Um, yeah. So I remember, I, I remember in like, uh, 
what was it like 2016 or something i was listening to like joe rogan on a podcast and and at the i had just gotten into podcasts and listening to him um and you know i hear i hear this guy who i grew up watching on tv and um who i've respected in what he's done with podcasting and he interviews all these really um influential people um and he's high as fuck on the on the this interview like on the show and it's like a three and a half hour show and i'm like well the only way he's going to go three and a half hours <laughs> is <laughs> is by uh you know experimenting with some chemicals and he's you know either drinking whiskey or or smoking and i it fascinated me i was like well this guy works out he's he he peers fit he's older right he's not like 20 he's he's healthy he's you know wealthy um both personally and financially and cool so so is this really a, such a bad thing that i've made it out to be all this time and and what i i what i realized about identity recently and you brought this up too ryan it's really cool is there's like the the, the archetypes right we identify as a stoner or when i was in high school there was like the stoner kids the goth kids the the um, preppy kids and yeah. and i know the, the the lonely kids the musicians whatever and everyone had their like little slot that they wanted to fit in and yet um yet here people are later on in life kind of melding between these different archetypes like i can I can be a stoner for the next four hours and then I could be a CEO right after that. And then I could be a, a husband and a father and then I could be a musician and then I could whatever, be an athlete. You could be whatever you choose to be. And that's the, and identity and I, is, is completely in flux all the time. And whether it's, it's what you're choosing to be in the moment is really interesting that that we you can see this and de start to detach with it by interacting um, with the beautiful plant that we found and well, last point i was thinking of man this is you say so many things and i'm like i really want to like expand on some of this stuff and, and let's just see where it goes yeah so back to like what i originally said before the um like oh i could say this thing to to my joint and um, abracadabra, it's true. Um, I see that in a lot of ways as like this ritualistic entrance to, okay, now we are in this phase. And whether you want to believe it or not, because you can smoke and not feel this and not experience this, obviously. But if you go into it, you go into an experience um, in, with the intention, as you say, of like going into a space where now you can work through mm. something or be something mm. that's the that's like a ritualistic entrance into it by you know we could proclaim we could make an affirmation and then take our first hit and then all of a sudden we're down the rabbit hole absolutely you know and it's it's funny because this is exactly how like if you go to you know for people that might be like i don't know about this right well uh, go to any medicine ceremony down in the Amazon. And if you tell them, I don't believe in intention, they'll literally smack you silly. Like, why are you even here then? Right? Like, you're not, you're not ready for this. Right? Because at the end of the day, again, what I choose to believe is that the mind has overcomplicated life to an insane extent, right? 
And, and when I've been very deep in medicine journeys, uh, you know, I found that the deeper I go, the simpler things get, right? Like I'm, you know, you might think that when you do a big mushroom tea or, you know, ayahuasca, you're going to get these incredible revelations about Atlantis or God knows what, right? No, a lot of times it, it happens like this. You're deep in a medicine ceremony and you realize, wow, whatever I believe I become, that's it. It's literally that simple, right? And I've noticed this, right? We know this with story work, right? If someone believes they're a bad father, they're going to show up as a bad father, right? But if they choose to then flip that script and see themselves as a good father and we help them through that, they're going to start exhibiting more traits of being a good father, right? And that's simply what intention is. It's saying, I put my willpower into this certain direction, right? And we're taking all of the unconditional love, if you want, or unconditional force, governing force of the universe that has all the possibility in it. And we're going this way that's where i want to go right and so if you choose to believe intention is real it will be real if you choose to believe it's false it will be false right again like we're we're stuck in these confines many of us in right or wrong or what can be proven right well let me just blow this and set the record straight for for a lot of people that are still worshiping science right science is not a religion science is ever changing it's a practice and second of all we only believe with our eyes or we only see with our eyes four percent of visible reality so that whole like i only believe it if i see it sure if you want to omit 96 percent of what's there hmm. right we know there's light waves we can't see right so why would there not be other things right we'd have to be naive to think that we know there isn't other things. Now you can choose to believe that there isn't other things because that again, that says like, this is what I'm choosing to believe now, right? It's like, I'm wearing this shirt now. Doesn't mean I'm gonna wear it forever. Tomorrow I'm gonna put a different shirt on, maybe later on today, depending on how much I sweat, right? So it's like, you know, those are the kind of things, that's the kind of philosophy I like to go into life with now because <laughs> simply put it, it works better for me. You, you can know? change your <laughs> shirt for the occasion. That's, yes. I was listening, I'm taking a, I'm in the middle of a, course a psychology course with jordan peterson this online course he's doing and he said something to the tune of like people are born with uh, variable personalities right um, and sometimes those are expressed in like borderline borderline personality disorder where they come out um, separated um, but most people have the ability to change their personality and it's optimized for your your set environment that you're currently in mm -hmm. and when we think about that topic and like who we get to be and what we get to choose to do if you drop somebody in the, in a desert who has had a uh, eating disorder for their whole life suddenly that's not going to matter as much their personality will kick in that's important that's going to save their life mm -hmm. um, it would be it would be rare unfortunate to see a person um, refusing to eat when they're in the middle of the desert about to starve and they have no other choice. Um, so, and it's interesting how people get so tied into this, like one thing, like, yeah, I'm going to wear this t-shirt and it's the only one I have forever, period. Like there's no other way. I can't believe any, anything else is possible goes back to that curiosity thing, like questioning yourself, questioning everything around you. Like, like, okay, I hear you. And there must be a reason why you believe that. Mm. I'm curious as to what that reason is. And, and yeah. we could go there and we could come back and we could, we could explore things. It's really cool, man.
and we can high five regardless if we agree at the end, right? It's like, wow, <laughs> give me a new perspective. Hey, thanks for giving me a new perspective, right? Awesome. High five and we're good, right? You're, like, you're still a dick and I, and I yeah, hate exactly. you. But... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, like, and you're like, wrong. Yeah, it's like, what do you think philosophy was based on? Philosophy wasn't people arguing about what they thought was right. They were getting together, usually interacting with some biodynamic wine, which is very different than the alcohol we know of today, or biodynamic grown herbs. And they were just questioning things. Oh, interesting. I never thought about it like that. Hmm. What about this? You know, and they were just having a conversation, a dialogue, right? It wasn't two people trying to regurgitate what makes them feel safe in the world and then challenging each other's identities and being like, oh, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. It's like... (laughs) You know, we wonder why there's so much arguing on and arguing in the world, period, but also on social media. It's like, well, we're living in an upregulated society that is mm-hmm. that, whose bodies are flooded with cortisol, with adrenaline, with norepinephrine, with all these stress hormones. They're living uh, lives that they're usually, you know, going to work at a place they don't want to work because, you know, it makes sense to work there because, you know, it's got benefits, you know, so why not? <laughs> I mean, they called them benefits, for God's sakes. Security. And then, yeah, exactly. They're, you know, they're driving there in rush hour traffic, they're coming home, you know, and having issues with the house, yada, yada. And then they're getting on Facebook, and then someone has a differing view. And that person's like, these people are going to agree with me. It's like, no, they're not, because everyone's in an upregulated state. That's not the place to have a, a logical discussion, or even a open ended discussion, not even logical, right? It's a place for people to like, take out their anger at the end of the day. You know, that's what I've, that's what I've been noticing. We're Very- talking, we're talking about I want to just clarify some things for listeners. Like we, we, we thrown out some terms now upregulation, like an upregulated state um, and why like people are living in this. It, we could call it anxiety, right? That's a, that's actually a definition, a pseudo definition of fight or flight upregulation anxiety, as we call it, as like the millennials claim to have, which, exists it's a thing we experience anxiety and it's on purpose like we this was meant to save our lives it may or may not be good for you it may right (laughs) spoiler alert dude (laughs) and and the problem and and the problem is like people are we're only meant to be in this anxious state for x period of time and then we need to recover like physical training like you exercise you work out so you can recover and get stronger. And p- the problem is people are sitting in this, this state because fear of everything, right? What are there when there's nothing to be afraid of, we start to manifest fears. We start to create things on our own. Like every time we check our phone, why didn't she text me? Or mm-hmm. how come I don't have any more uh, likes on that post I just made? Or these little stupid yeah. things that grow and, and grow or when time. somebody doesn't text you back in a certain amount of time they Ooh. you're thinking you're thinking oh man did i piss them off and and you're yeah. wa- wandering back and forth <laughs> yeah. right hyperventilating yeah instead of like oh they probably are having a great day and they're probably not looking at their phone awesome i'm super happy for my friend you know it's like we can choose to look at it either way not because we know it's true but because we choose to believe it's true because it helps us feel better right like about ourselves it's a projection we're projecting that yeah assuming other people feel the way we do and that's like okay i'm afraid of this i'm afraid of what will happen if it's true like if it's really that as bad as i think yeah since we're uh, since we're yeah. touching base on things that we've talked about and getting a little definition, uh, Ryan, you referenced the dark night of the soul multiple times, and I believe I have an understanding of it. Uh, explain what that means for the people listening. 
Yes. Well, so there's many different explanations of what a dark night of the soul could be, depending on where you read it from. But I'll give you like my personal definition of what I've understood it to be. It's when you realize that you're off path in some way, shape or form, right? It's when you realize, like, for instance, for me, I'll give the example of me working in the industry. I joined the industry because I was like, wow, this is available now. This is what I've always wanted to do. And then things started not lining up. We got bought out by a company that was a bunch of Chad's and Brad's. Sorry for anyone named that, but you know, (laughs) it was a bunch of people who once again, ran from cannabis their whole life. Uh, They had yachts. It was like so cheesy. I was like, these guys are embarrassing. Honestly, they had yachts. (laughs) Yeah, they had like, and it was like, it was like, some cool people have yachts. These were not the cool people that have yachts. I think of the people who that like just, I mean, they they didn't inhale in high school type thing. And so, so, you know, during that time, I was still like really holding on to like, I'm going to be in the industry. I'm going to be a head grower. I'm going to do this. Right. And then things started to creep in right from the soul that were like, I don't think you're happy. Right. And when things like that happen and you choose to actually look at them, that's when the dark night of the soul happens, right? Because if you just choose to ignore them, right? And and end up drinking, interacting with more cannabis to numb it out, uh, eating sugary foods. I mean, there's a million different dependent patterns you can get in to hide those feelings, right? And you guys know from coaching and everything. But when you choose to look at that, that's what the dark night of the soul, that's where it begins, right? Because then you're accepting like, everything is, is not working out the way I thought it, and believed it was going to work out. And so from there, like once you look at it, it's going to immediately start getting better because the scariest part is accepting that is true. Everything from there on out, it's it's only downhill from there, right? And downhill being a good thing. I never know whether uphill or downhill is the right way to say it. So just so people know, whatever the better one is, it starts getting better after that, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I think this is something that I know I was avoiding for a while. I mean, I've had many of them through my life and I imagine you guys could think about ones you've had with businesses or relationships or things like this where you knew before you knew, but then at one point you really knew and there was no hiding it anymore. And in that moment, right, right before you start going, okay, I got to look at this. The moment right before that is like the most anxiety ridden like area of this, of this dark night of the soul, right? Because that's still one part of you is like, no, no, it's not true. But the evidence is overwhelming on the counter argument. And so once you accept that and you start moving through it, then everything starts to fall in line. Because essentially in a real dark night of the soul, what happens is you realize at a certain point, I don't know what to do, right? And when you don't know what to do, what do you get to do? You get to be, right? And we are human beings, not human doings. And so at the end of the day, we're all doing so much, right? But we're not tuning into the present moment. And this is like why coaches have a business, right? This is why we all have a business because people don't choose to tune into their feelings for the five or 10 minutes it takes to feel them through. They'd rather prolong them for five or 10 years at a time and put all these stories on top of them. And, you know, really like it's, it's because we're, we're too busy in a lot of ways, right? We have all these stories. I'm too busy. I can't look at that now. You know, I mean, I, I still come up with these things and, and Rachel will hear them and be like, do you hear yourself right now? Like I did energy work this morning. Uh, I had an energy appointment re- um, uh, rather, and some came up for me and I was like, oh my God, listen to me. Like, like I'm, I can't because I'm working too hard right now. Like that's ridiculous because half the reason I'm working so hard is so I can hide the feeling, right? And so, you know, it's important to realize that these dark nights of the soul are actually like, you know, they can be seen as breakdowns, but in order to have a breakthrough, you must first break it down. Very similar to the gym, right? You can't grow muscle if you don't break it down, right? And so I don't know about that, actually. I didn't fact check it, but it sounds legit. But, you know, a lot of times people fear the breakdowns, but actually breakdowns are where the greatest 
parts of your life start happening. And that's when adaptation, frame yeah, of listening adaptation and I imagine, occurs. Yeah. And, you know, I imagine for you guys and for anyone listening too, you know, think back to any time in your life where you really felt a true high, right? And I'm not talking from cannabis. I'm talking like a natural, like high on life high, right? And, you know, then think about it. Did that come after sitting on the couch for three weeks? Or did that come after really like putting your all into something that you believed in, right? And during those three weeks, that might be perceived as like the most challenging, stressful time of your life. But really, it could be also seen as a dark night of the soul in many ways. But those are what like, you know, it's a kind of like a boomerang go down and then you shoot up right and it's important to just realize that yeah you're going to have waves right and no matter how much work you do you're going to have these waves but you know it's being able to uh you know as a funny reference get pitted on that wave that allows you to actually dance in life right and, and enjoy the dance of life you know as alan watts said it's the it's the it's the time between the notes where the real music happens or a uh, quote that i've heard recently that was like much more to the point than that which was uh silence is the language of god everything else is a poor translation it's like <laughs> it's like when we actually allow ourselves to be still and just feel what's happening bliss is any emotion felt all the way through as joseph campbell says and so a lot of times these dark nights of the soul are just you know stories we have around what you know feelings are quote unquote undesirable versus which ones we believe at that point are desirable but when you start to obliterate these stories and these programs and these like confines that you know essentially were programmed onto us you know we're just happy i mean we can we can be content in any in any feeling right we can find joy in any feeling because we know right we choose to know we choose to believe rather that through any feeling I've always still been here after, right? And I've I've learned, I've grown. This is like my own personal philosophy. And so when I go through these things, I just remind myself like, oh, great, awesome. There must be an, an amazing, amazing thing happening on the other side of this. Perfect. Now I'm just as excited to be in the dark night of the soul as I am to be rising above it. So how can you, how can you help somebody to be content? and feel good with something like pain mm. or ang or anger mm. or sadness i love that question and uh so as paul check says uh you know pain is a great teacher right people never pay attention more binary language acknowledged and accepted people never pay attention more than when they're in pain right like someone could be sitting a lot right and you could, you could tell them like, Hey, you really shouldn't sit that much. You know, it's not good for you. And they're like, yeah, I know, you know. Right. But then their hip starts hurting and you're like, Hey, I think it's cause you're sitting so much. And they're like, yeah, like, what should I do about this? Right. All of a sudden now they're interested in what you have to say. Right. So I think a lot of times it's teaching people that pain, you know, anger specifically, like these things are actually energy emotion, right? Like if you follow David Hawkins scale from power versus force, Anger is actually much higher than you would think it is on the scale of consciousness. I think it's about 120 or 150, somewhere around there. Whereas like guilt, shame, apathy, those are down to like 20 and 50, right? There's like almost no motion happening in, in terms of consciousness and in terms of emotion when you're in guilt and shame and apathy. But once you get to anger, you're, you're moving energy, right? And so this is why, you know, like I've been doing Muay Thai recently and I love it, right? Because like, I might go in there feeling like a little depleted and it doesn't logically make any sense to me. Like what, I'm going to go in there when I feel tired and I'm going to like bust my ass and then I'm going to feel better after. It's like, yeah, because you're moving through a lot of anger, right? Like I realize mm. there's anger, you know, within me, right? Most of us have things like that within us. And so, you know, I think it's just like 
reformatting and flipping the script around what pain, what anger is, right? Like, hey, they're, they're further realizations that you are still alive. You still have skin in the game. You still have an opportunity to change them, right? If you were on death's doorstep, you probably wouldn't be mad or shameful or anything, right? You'd have different emotions, which aren't inherently bad either. Mm. But a lot of times just reformating the way people understand pain. And I get it. Like, I imagine some of them like, what, you're going to tell someone who just got in a car accident that it was all for them? I realize that can be challenging to believe, right? But again, at the same time, there's a time and a place, right? You don't see someone break their leg and you're like, hey, it's all good. It's all happening for you, right? Like you let them work through their stuff. And then when they're in the hospital and they get home and they're like kind of in a, in a mode where they're like, oh, my leg's hurting. You're like, hey, think about it this way, right? You've been wanting to do this project and you've had a lot of things taking up your time. And now you're at your house, right? I was talking to, uh, I don't know if you guys know Bill Burnett. Uh, he's a breath worker from Australia and a uh, gangster dude. I love this guy. And he was talking about that, talking about how he was go, go, go. And, you know, just really needed some time to like rest. And uh, during a medicine ceremony, he put his foot in the fire and got third degree burns all over his foot and he couldn't walk. Right. So he couldn't work out. He couldn't like go run. He couldn't do any of the things that normally distract him away from what he needed most, which was time with himself to be. And so in that sense, the pain teacher taught him a lesson. Right. And so I think that's like the best answer I have for in terms of like, mm. you know, flipping the script around emotions and states of being like that. Man. Bill, Bill is actually uh, going to be on the show on next, next episode. He's my, he's Dude, my next guest. Oh yeah. He's, he's a, he's a guy for sure. He's, he's like, he's awesome um man as you talking about the like perception of emotions i've been thinking about this so much um i have a a i guess an infant son now at home he's like two and a half months and you 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 guess well i don't know when when's the where's the line between newborn infant whatever yeah oh bro it's it's it he's a uh, okay, I see what you're saying. He's a kid. Uh, he's a yeah, baby. He's a, he's a baby. He's a small <laughs> human being. Very small. It's, Ryan, a, ti- a tiny unit. A tiny unit. Yeah, a tiny unit. Miniature yeah. unit. Um, yeah. So, and I, man, I have this existential thought often uh, because kids cry, babies cry, and it's that's their way of expressing whatever it is that they're in- feeling internally. And I have no idea what that is. And as, you know, as you start, as we start to age and we learn and we network, we talk to people and we create things over time, years, we, we, again, identity, we put identity to emotion, we name it, we give it a, we give it a, a label like, okay, this feeling is anger. And, and my, my experience of anger might be different from yours and so like when you know when my son is crying he may be feeling happy and like that's just how he's expressing it right now and until we label it we put a a word to that and teach it to him like he doesn't have any idea what it is he's just feeling hormones in his body like shifting and and moving and like you said like different emotions have varying levels of uh of movement and vibration and uh and it's just it fascinates me how we place so much emphasis and meaning and value on on these things that and we hold on to them so tightly like like i held on to resentment and anger for a very long time you know through my teenage years and up to my 20s and and that really could have been just a 
miscommunication of experience. Absolutely. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know it. Yeah, is. yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, you guys know Angelo Cisco, I imagine too. Um, I don't know if you guys have met him yet. But I know, uh, I know of him. I have never met him. Oh man, that guy's awesome. You should definitely get him on the show. I'll, I'll make you guys an introduction to him. But, uh, you know, he has this Thank thing you. about crying. Yeah, I got you guys. Um, he has this thing about crying where, you know, again, he's a divine masculine coach. So for all you females listening, sorry for the language, but you know, I, I actually don't think they'll really care, but, uh, cause it's 2021, but he calls crying emotional ejaculation or face coming. Right. And so it's like, it's really true when you think about it, like when you have yep. a really good cry, it's like, it, it is a form of ejaculation. Right. And, and I hadn't cried, like really cried for like, God, I'd say 14 years, at least. Like, I don't even remember. I'm just guessing at this point, a long time, so long that I don't remember. And I had a mushroom trip uh, where I did a heroic dose, uh, which is five grams and with Rachel and uh, it hit me and, you know, I was feeling perfect and, you know, love and light and all the things. And, uh, you know, I had this, I was having a dialogue with, uh, you want to call it my higher self, the spirit of mushrooms, whatever, right? I was having a conversation and I was laying in bed on my back, right? Rachel's next to me having her own experience. And, uh, and you know, I had had this whole thing of like, oh, I don't remember how to cry. Like, I, don't, I just don't get it, right? It doesn't make any sense. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like laughing hysterically. And then in the middle of it, I just go, you know, laughter is a lot like crying. And then boom, I just unlocked it. And I cried for like two hours straight, like heaving, sobbing. And it was the best. It was the, it's the best experience on mushrooms ever, I've ever had, right? It was exactly what I needed for the last, like, I mean, there's probably much more in there, but you know, like it was, it was the most freeing experience I had ever felt in my life. And so like, I think a lot of times like this, this lines perfectly up with your theory is that, you know, we see kids crying and we know what that means for us. Like if we're crying, something is challenging us. It's like, we're sad. Right. But a lot of times kids might just be like, feel my energy. And they're just crying. Right. I mean, who knows? Right. They can't communicate it, but I'm singing. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Hey mom, look yeah. at me. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's so important. I remind myself all the time too, like, Hey, that's your story, right? Like, don't put that on someone else because you don't know for sure, right? You can ask, like, how are you feeling, right? And you can have your kids describe it to you once they get to the age where they can speak and talk and communicate. But, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's one of the main ways that I think children are our teachers, you know, is that like, they teach us that like, hey, everything you know, you don't know, right? And again, wise is the man who knows he does not know. So, yeah. It, it ties in. And, and, you know, we have some evidence here for people who like that, who like evidence and like to see things, right? You can see this. It's, it's real. When we do a story session and we, we ask people where, you know, what does that feel like? And they say, oh, I feel anger. I feel so angry. Well, well, where do you feel that? And we go to the physical sensations and and that was, again, we placed anger on the physical sensation. The physical sensation could be real, right? It could be a real thing, or um, it's just how we're manifesting it. Body is phenomenal. It's, it does cool, cool shit. So, so yeah, physically, we can, we can see it. Well, well, this person feels anger at a 10 in their chest, yet when I feel angry, I feel it in my head. Well, those are two different things. So are they really, is my anger the same as your anger? And, and evidence, the answer is no, right? Further, 
the answer could be, could be like, okay, well, there's, there's, it's a spectrum. Like, like we can experience this and, and based on like, you know, we could look at a data set of a thousand people that felt anger and, and okay, well, you, you felt it here and you felt it here. So you have this like level, if we want to start going psychologically and like how we want to label everything, but back to, um, back to, to marijuana, <laughs> which by the way, uh, before this, before this show, I was like, man, it would, should I, should I like have an edible or something or should I, should I smoke a little bit just to see what happens? Like the, that would be on brand for Ryan. <laughs> yes. I, ch- I chose I not to, stuff, you know, if you right? want to. Yeah. I chose not to for this one. I like to yeah. be, uh, I like to be cognizant of what's happening coming out of my mouth uh, 100%, man i agree i you know, <laughs> the schedule that i stick with these days and again i don't i don't like i like structure but at the same time if there's like a feeling intuitively i'll go with it but i generally only interact with cannabis once or twice a week and it's on the weekends right because as angela says for a man feminine energy is a pit stop not a rest stop right mm-hmm. so i get the essence of femininity right which allows me to remember how to relax and then i integrate so during the week i can try new like breathing patterns and things like that that cannabis teaches me that allow me how to relax uh, let, let me uh, relearn how to relax rather and in that way i'm making sure that like for me i know that i've had dependent patterns of cannabis before right i think most cannabis users have experienced that right so well how do I know, quote unquote, that I'm not going to fall into that pattern again? Well, I test myself every single week, right? And so I go through the most challenging part of my week completely sober, except for cacao, right? Lord, uh, Lord hail cacao. But, but like, you know, I go through it that way and that way I can feel the shit come up, right? I can feel the stuff that otherwise I would just numb out, right? Because that's my unconscious pattern. So it's really about like knowing thyself, right? And, you know, I think like one of the funny things here that we've been kind of skating around this whole time is, you know, if we could sum this all up with, you know, cannabis, with intention, with, you know, emotions, with all this stuff, it's simply that humans are way more powerful than we believe. And it's our will that creates that power, right? Like one of the most ancient mantras from the mystery schools is it is by will alone that I set my mind in motion. I say that to myself probably 25 to 30 times a day, right? With my daily rituals and my prayers and just it's on my wall. So I'm seeing it every time I turn my corner. And, uh, and, you know, I think that it really comes down to like, whatever you want life to be, it can be, but don't let other people tell you what it is, right? Because it, that's what it is for them. Right. And again, a lot of times misery loves company, right? So like the people are like, Oh, cannabis is bad. Yeah. They probably had a challenging experience because they had no idea what they were interacting with and they didn't do any self-awareness exercise before they went into the experience. And now they didn't benefit. So they don't want anyone else to benefit too. They probably don't know that consciously. They wouldn't say that if you asked them, but that's something that's in them right it's like well if i can't have any fun with it i don't want anyone else to either right or even worse, so like if it didn't work for me it won't work for anyone right which is just silly i mean you know we know that from you know i might love coffee ice cream right it might be my favorite thing and matter wrong you might hate it right which one of us is right neither of us right it's just our personal preference and so i think that comes with everything and that's why i think that's one of the best things once again that, that cannabis specifically, because it's able to be done uh, in your own home. It's, you don't have to go to a jungle to do it, these types of things. And there's a lot more information available now. You for can those go to a jungle and do it also. You yes. can. Yes, you can. <laughs> 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 Retreat coming. But, uh, you know, like, 
you know, for those people that like research too, and they like, you know, being able to have the science, there is more science than ever available on a lot. Everything I've talked about within this episode about cannabis being able to kill cancer cells, CBD being able to mitigate their growth, cannabis being able to help autoimmune conditions, uh, cannabis being able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and stop a nausea and vomiting for chemotherapy patients. I mean, all of these things have studies on PubMed or the other one, NCID, I think, or it starts with an, I forget which one, but they're all like very, you know, prestigious organizations that have come out with these things. So it's, it's the time for people that are curious, you know, I, I recommend doing your own research, right? Like, you know, again, this is what I believe in my life. This is what has worked for me, right? But it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Nothing is for everyone, right? Like we explored with ice cream. Coffee ice cream might be a great flavor for me, but other people might hate it, right? It doesn't mean it's a bad flavor. It just means it's not right for that individual or it is right for that other individual. And so, you know, this is the part, you know, Paul Check talks about this a lot. This is the part where you get to really choose if you want to grow up, right? Are you going to let other people live your life for you? Or are you going to decide to start making your own conscious actions and conscious decisions on what your life is going to look like and feel like and how you're going to show up? And, you know, if you want to live in a treehouse in the middle of a jungle and you don't want a white picket fence and a, you know, job with a 401k, you can do that, right? But the more that you tell yourself you can't because of X, Y, Z, yeah, then you can't, right? It's that simple. Two things. Yes. What was that mantra again? The one that's on yeah. your wall? Yes. Uh, it is by will alone that I set my mind in motion. Thank you. And yeah. secondly, I mean, you're here on our show. We've got to promote you. Is what you're, <laughs> is what you're talking about what you're teaching in the Connect with Cannabis course? Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, what we teach in Connect with Cannabis is we really certify coaches, facilitators, and healers to understand and be able to interpret the language that cannabis speaks in a lot of what I've talked about today and be able to actually commune with this plant, have an active relationship with this sentient being and be able to be a role model for what conscious intentional cannabis use looks like in the 21st century, because cannabis is a $98.6 billion industry, right? And we haven't even had federal legalization yet, right? Like the time is now. You guys know, being coaches, how hard it is to stand out in a world full of coaches these days, right? There's so many great coaches out there, right? And so many great coaches doing a lot of amazing stuff. You want a unique skill set, right? This is that, right? But it's not for everyone, right? Like if you're a coach and you're like, ah, I don't like that. Cool. You don't need it, right? It's not a need, right? But if you're feeling the call, listening to me, if you're feeling the call, when you think about cannabis, when cannabis and you connect, if you're feeling that special connection, it is for you, right? And what I love doing is for anyone interested, you know, reach out to me. I'll hop on a call with you and make sure it's right for you. Like my intention and the same intention I imagine anyone listening or you guys have, right? When you do your work is that I want the right people in the program, right? I'm not looking to sell the program to anyone because it's not meant for everyone, right? And so if you're curious, reach out, right? There's no like, there's no gimmick. There's no like sales tactic. It's just like, I'm going to bring you through what the program does. And you're going to be able to say, that sounds really cool to me. Or, hey, maybe not now, right? And that's it. That's how I operate. And it's nothing like reaching out to your shady drug dealer from the, yes. from the nineties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got Very a different. guys. I have a Calendly. It's all legit. <laughs> it's legit. <laughs> LLC and everything. Uh, man. When question about this, like, and I'm sure this, this question has come up too. Like when you're, co you're coaching people, you're educating people on how to integrate the medicine into their coaching, whatever. And, and how does that 
correlate with, how can you correlate that with, or uh, help people navigate around the legality of it? Yeah. Uh, so basically what we do is we have a team of lawyers that we work with, uh, you know, we provided an educational platform, right? Where we say, Hey, this is possible for you. Right. And, uh, if you want to use this with your clients, Hey, go see if that works. Right. But we're not necessarily saying you need to use this with your clients or anything like that. And so for anyone listening, who's like, Hey, I want to, I want to do this, like, not just for me, but potentially for my clients, what you're going to want to do is meet with a lawyer, uh, who can drop an agreement where basically you're saying like, Hey, this person who I am working with is of sound mind, uh, or rather be the person signing. I am of sound mind. I am making my own conscious choice to interact with this medicine. Uh, the, the coach in this situation has no legal responsibilities, um, that are, you know, impeded on them, uh, by me interacting with this medicine, you know, those types of things, but it is very important. I mean, really for any coach, right. I recommend reaching out and, and having a lawyer on hand, um, and having like some business insurance, right. Because, you know, you guys know, like even with story work, someone could be like, oh, Ron completely uprooted my life. And now my life's a mess. Right. And it's like that I didn't do anything right. Like you're just externalizing your personal power. But, you know, I think it is an important note for any coach out there or facilitator or healer, like make sure you're covered. Right. Because people are wild. Right. And we live in a world where people are externalizing their personal power and people are trigger happy when it comes to things like lawsuits. So, yeah, by all means, like definitely if you're looking to get into anything like this, coaching, uh, cannabis coaching, anything like this, make sure that you, you know, have your, uh, you know, lowercase J's and uh, T's dotted, you know, <laughs> lowercase G's, uh, J's dotted and T's crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. And, yeah. and obviously it has like the accessibility of it, the availability. It, it's something that I'm sure you help people understand like, okay, where to source things from and what kind of, you know, what specifically to look for, because like you said, there's like the industrialized cannabis, now the commercial stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's the homegrown, like cared for plants that you can interact with that are wildly different. Yeah. Um, you know, what we do is, you know, a couple different things, you know, we recommend that everyone who takes the program that is, planning on using this is in a legal state, right? At least a state with medical and they have their medical card or they're in a recreational state. You know, we don't recommend, uh, you know, sourcing your cannabis from third parties only because um, a lot of that can have pesticides in it and a lot of other things, at least at a dispensary, you know that it has no pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or redenticides in it, right? Or in theory, anyway, I know there's some, this is another whole rabbit hole, but in theory, it won't have any mold or things like that, right? That being said, there is that rabbit hole where like, a commercial grown cannabis and corporate cannabis has a certain energy to it yet there is a way as for us as energy alchemizers right that we all are whether we believe it or not you know we can alchemize that energy right and cannabis yearns to teach us these things and be able to help us in our lives and so even if that cannabis might not have been grown with the most love right we can we can protect ourselves before and by doing banishing rituals by doing invocations um, and then evocations, right, that allow us, you know, like the mystery schools do and like a lot of lineages do to protect ourselves and, you know, protect ourselves before we wreck ourselves, essentially. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, we have lots of different little tricks and uh, tips for that. I thought that Matt and I jammed on on a I think it was just us talking uh, was, you know, the concept of plant medicine, right? Mm -hmm. In your opinion, this would be definitely intriguing to hear is. At what point does somebody cross the line of utilizing it for medication 
and justifying their abusive behavior? Mm, this is a great question, man. So, you know, really there's a difference here, right? When we think about anything, when it comes to, I mean, water would be a hard one. We think about coffee, right? <laughs> we think about anything from coffee to cannabis to opiates to anything, right? There's a place, there's a, there's a fine line between substance and medicine, right? And so for me, it's really simply becoming conscious of that, of why you're interacting with it. And that's why intention helps so much, right? Because it's getting your subconscious into the idea of like, I'm about to pack this bowl, but why? right? doesn't need to be this incredible reason like we talked about, right? But it needs to be like, I'm looking for this. I'm curious about this, right? I'm looking to connect deeper with my friends, right? Because as you start mm. interacting with, we'll use cannabis in that way, what you'll start finding is those times where like, you know, you're just at home and you're kind of like bummed out and you want to go pack a bowl, you're going to start catching yourself and going, why am I interacting with this? And you're going to start going like, I don't really have a reason. And then in that moment, you as a sovereign being get to make a choice. Either you're going to argue for your possibilities with cannabis as a medicine, or you're going to argue for your limitations with, let's say, cannabis as a substance, right? And so it's up to each individual to make that fine line, right? And it is like, you know, it can be a slippery slope, but it is with everything, right? Like, you know, coffee is one of the most widely used drugs, right? And, and medicines, right? Depending on how we look at it, available, right? And so it's like, you know, for people, let's, you know, we'll take coffee as an example. Like, you know, I love drinking cacao in the morning right? Like my coffee replacement, if you will. And it gives me a lot of the same euphoria that coffee did and coffee just kind of stopped working for me. But, you know, there's a time where like I'm drinking cacao because it's warm and I love it and it accentuates my morning and, you know, it allows me to access my heart and it allows me to connect deeper when I'm on podcasts, right? But then there's also that craving to get around three where I'm like, I should have another cup of cacao. It's like, well, why? Oh, because I'm judging myself for being tired and what that means for me as an individual, right? That's for me when it turns into a substance, right? Because now when you I'm could, actually, when you could just bust out like that. twenty, when you could just bust out like twenty burpees and like wake up real fast. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or just go breathe in fresh, clean air, right? Or go stand in the sun, right? Or just tell yourself, hey, you know what? I'm tired. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reschedule the rest of my schedule, right? And anyone who gets upset over it probably not someone I wanted to interact with anyway, so long as I give them enough time, right? Don't, don't hit someone up a minute before a Zoom call. I'm like, sorry, guys, I got to cancel, right? But like, have awareness, right? Like awareness is the name of the game, I think, when, when it comes to anything in our lives, right? While we're exercising, right? Exercise is another big one. Like you could be exercising three times a day and you're not necessarily training for anything. You're just doing it because like it helps you not think about your home life or help you think about this or whatever, right? So, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So the cool thing about something like cannabis is that it allows you to really feel the effects of something like intention. Because I realized like when I first started hearing about intention, I'm like, oh, you mean I'm just going to say this thing and then it happens? Like, yeah, right, right. But the thing is, is that that's the mind, right? Going off what it believes is true, right? Which is very quantifiable reality. And so when we decide to interact with a plant medicine, we're then dropping into a deeper source of infinite wisdom within us, whether you want to call it the heart, the body, the soul, the spirit, et cetera. And so from that, we can actually feel like something like intention. Like we can put tangible results to something very esoteric like intention. Where like the other night, I'll use an example. Rach and I were having a discussion and uh, we both got triggered, right? And, and I had no idea that it was happening in the moment, right? And I was just like, she was looking for me to say something. I was like, I don't agree with saying that. But really, it was just like, dude, like, stop taking yourself so seriously, right? Like, this isn't, this isn't what you think it is, right? And so a little while later, 
um, you know, things had calmed down, right? We were, we were getting along fine. And, uh, and we decided like, hey, I think, I think this is a night we'd like to interact with cannabis, right? And just like cuddle and, you know, hang out. And uh, we have these uh, uh, love rituals, we call them with cannabis. And uh, we didn't even get into that, but um, cannabis and sex, absolutely fire. And this is one of the many reasons that I say we have the most fun homework on the internet. Prove us wrong. I guarantee you can't. Um, where else are you going to be told to interact with cannabis and have sex with your partner, right? It's like, I, I haven't found another program that does that, right? But but uh, we interacted with cannabis and my intention was, I want to I wanna break free of this trigger and I want to connect deeper with Rachel and I want to feel relaxed in my being. And then hers was I want to be the stronger one in the situation, right? Because that's one of the things I'd said to her. It's like, it, this wasn't exactly in the discussion, but I was like, I feel like just in my life, I always have to be the strong one, right? And it wasn't necessarily like said to her or anyone. It was just me talking out loud after we had ended our discussion. And uh, so she was like, hmm, that's what he needs. Okay, like, I want to be the stronger one. And so we interact with cannabis and she's like, she just goes, hey, sorry if I triggered you. And immediately I was just like, oh my God. And I like, hugged her and I started cuddling and I was like, I'm so sorry if I got triggered too. Oh my God, I love you so much. And immediately both of us, like after about five minutes of that, we're snuggling and laughing and I'm just like in full curiosity mode. I'm much less serious in my, in my demeanor. We realized like, oh my God, it worked, right? Like that's exactly what we wanted and we got the result, right? So that's a, that's a tangible real world example of how intention can come true, right? Now, again, you could argue like, Oh, you know, that's just the effects of cannabis raising dopamine in your brain. Yeah, sure. If you want to view life that way and that's fun for you, awesome. Definitely not fun for me, you know? So that's what I choose to believe, but yeah. <laughs> I like both. Yeah, yeah. It's like both sides are good, but, you know, if you believe only in like the scientific side of life, that side smells like office supplies to me. It's just like, <laughs> it reminds me of the smell of reams of paper. It's like walking it has its place yeah. for sure. Yeah. And <laughs> And it's, and there's other ways, there's fun ways yes. to do it. It's good to have everything, um, mm -hmm. to wrap this up, Ryan, one, one last final question. Um, yeah. this is for it's the, this on. is double jeopardy question all right. in, all right. In, in one sentence, and it can be a long sentence, but one sentence, how, how do you envision your impact on the world? Mm. I love that he closed his eyes. That's yes, I gotta, I gotta turn off the sense for the heart sense to come on. Yeah, that's why I use. How do I envision? <laughs> yeah, how do I envision my impact in the world? So, would this be a statement, or would this be more like what I see when I envision the impact I've made in the world? What you see. Okay. What I see when I envision the impact I've made in the world is countless individuals choosing to reclaim their personal power, tune into their intuition and create life on their own terms so that their life can intersect at the corner of free will and destiny, which is within the infinite amount of destinies available, they're able to discern and ultimately choose the one that is greatest and grandest in nature. Have you read any Carl Sagan? Yes. <laughs> I just got like a, when you were <laughs> saying that, I just got this like flashback to one of his books. <laughs> man what a great guy man right he was a fan of cannabis too he was a big fan for sure and a and a genius yeah all right man uh we're gonna we'll link things you'll send us links anything cool. you want to leave people with right now leave listeners with 
Yeah, I mean, you guys can find me on Instagram at the real Ryan Sprague. There's some fakes out there, guys. Uh, and then at highly.optimized is the business profile where we give out a lot of free info on cannabis and the way I spoke about it within this episode. Um, I also have two podcasts, which I believe, Ron, you've been on Highly Optimized, right? Matt, I got to get you on Highly Optimized. Uh, and then maybe I'll do one with both of you guys because that'd be super fun. Um, and then I also have this one time on psychedelics. So what I say for people is that if you enjoy an inspirational storyline that allows you to really figure out how to pave a life that is on your own terms and take conscious action and like, you know, gain the mindset tools and all the things like that, highly optimized is your engine. On the other hand, if you like to go really deep into rabbit holes and talk about esoteric metaphysical concepts, including psychedelics, including consciousness, including the nature of reality, if you like to get curious, this one time on psychedelics is your vehicle. And uh, other than that, um, I think that's about it. Yeah, you guys can find me there. Uh, I'm super stoked. I'm very chatty, if you guys couldn't tell. So please, if you have any questions at all, hit me up. Yeah, right? Totally <laughs> off brand, right? <laughs> and thank you guys for having me on. This was a ton of fun. I love going on podcasts. I don't get to go on as many as I do. So this is really fun to switch hats. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you, man. Of course.